It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Silver Linings Playbook. What? Hey. What's this? Can you tell me you took him out? The court said yes. Yeah, but what did the doctor say? Can I do an interview for a school project on mental illness? No. I'm ready. I feel motivated. I don't feel so angry all the time. The whole time you're rooting for this Hemingway guy to survive the war and to be with the woman that he loves. It's four o'clock in the morning, Pat. I can't apologize. I will apologize on behalf of Ernest Hemingway because that's who's to blame here. Yeah, have Ernest Hemingway call us and apologize to us, too. Pat, you have to have a strategy. I hate my illness and I want to control it. I hope you're okay with Rocky's sister coming over. Tiffany and Tommy? Just Tiffany. What happened to Tommy? He died. How'd he die? Please, don't bring it up. Hey, Tiffany. This is Pat. You look nice. Thank you. How'd Tommy die? Oh. What meds are you on? I used to be on lithium and seroquel. I was on Xanax. You ever take clonopin? Clonopin, yeah. Like, is it what? I'm tired. I want to go. Are you going to walk me home or what? You have poor social skills. You have a problem. I have a problem? Mm-hmm. You say more inappropriate things than appropriate things. Doc, she's crazy. Hey! Oh, what the hell? She knew where I was. She followed me. Then why don't you run somewhere else? Calm down, crazy. Maybe she just needs a friend. You want to have dinner at this diner? Pick me up at 7.30. So how's your job? I just got fired, actually. Oh, really? How? I having sex with everybody in the office. Everybody? I was very depressed after Tommy died. We don't have to talk about it. Thanks. How many were there? Oh, she's a mess. You gotta be careful. She does a lot of therapy. I go to a lot of therapy. Am I messed up? I just gotta get a strategy, you know? Me too. So there's this dance thing. I can only do it if I have a partner. Oh, I'm not gonna dance with you. So is this the girl you wrote about? You wrote about me? She's fine. She is my friend with an F. A capital F. She's fine. For friend. What are you so up about? I'm happy. Look, I'm my best self today, and I think she's her best self, and that's a good thing. Lost in my mind. Lost in my mind. Oh, I know you don't want to listen to your father. I don't listen to mine. When life reaches out with a moment like this, it's a sin if you don't reach back. This is what I believe to be true. You have to do everything you can. And if you stay positive, you have a shot at a silver lining. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Silver Linings Playbook, and the story is as follows. After losing his job and wife and spending time in a mental institution, Pat Solitano winds up living with his parents. He wants to rebuild his life and reunite with his wife, but his parents would be happy if he just shared their obsession with the Philadelphia Eagles. Things get complicated when Pat meets Tiffany, who offers to help him reconnect with his wife, if he will do something very important for her in exchange. The film is starring Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Lawrence, Robert De Niro, Jackie Weaver, Anupam Kerr, and Chris Tucker. It is written and directed by David O. Russell, and here to join me today for this 2012 retrospective podcast review, I have Nicole Ackman. Hello, hello. Cody Derricks. Excelsior or something. (laughs) And Dan Baer. I do my research. So Silver Linings Playbook premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival 10 years ago. 
It was hot off the heels off of The Fighter, which for David O. Russell scored him a Best Director nomination. The film also went on to get a Best Picture nomination, winning two acting Oscars for Christian Bale and Melissa Leo. So here he was two years later with this film, and it went on to achieve even greater success than The Fighter, including more acting nominations, Best Picture, Best Director nominations for a Russell again. Great box office for this movie, almost $250 million against this $21 million budget. And, of course, it captured the hearts of a lot of people, and also including in the years since. I know a lot of people who really love this movie. Whether it's the characters, the humor, or if it's just getting caught up in the romance, Silver Linings Playbook is a movie that has resonated with uh, quite a few. Now, elephant in the room here, David O. Russell. (laughs) Gotta talk about David. Uh, On a personal level, not a fan of the guy. Definitely don't like his on-set behavior and the way that he treats his actors. Also, do not like uh, what we've heard about the story involving his transgender niece. And these were all things that, at the time of this film's release, some people were aware, some people weren't. And in the years that have followed, a lot of people are still not necessarily aware of David O. Russell's behavior. And now we find ourselves in this situation where we're doing this retrospective, we're reviewing all the Best Picture nominees from 2012. This happens to be one of them. So it's kind of unavoidable if we're trying to just talk about films from the past that have been nominated for Best Picture, gone on to win Best Picture. So Silver Linings Playbook is a part of that history, whether you like the man or not. So I want to just put that at at the beginning here, that we are not in any way endorsing David O. Russell and his behavior, but we are simply here to talk about this film and the space it collected in 2012 and how it has continued uh, to evolve in the hearts of and minds of cinephiles since then. So Silver Linings Playbook, what do we think of it? Let's dive in first with Cody Derrick's Excelsior. Am I right? Uh, or something like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> this movie, <laughs> you know, around the time of this early 2000s, David O. Russell, just Ascension, this Oscar run, which is kind of um, not unprecedented exactly, but really impressive between The Fighter, this, and then American Hustle just the very next year, capping off in the kind of like whimper of a movie that is Joy. I, at the time, was quite a fan of it, Joy excluded. I thought his movies were both fun and well-made and had a really good unity of tone with kind of across-the-board amazing performances. I haven't seen a lot of these movies in about a, since since they came out, about a decade ago. And re-watching Silver Lane's playbook now with the benefit of, you know, the years past and maturing myself and also, you know, I, I have a little trouble similar to watching the movies with somebody like Woody Allen, I have a little bit of trouble separating the off-screen um, energy and behavior of this director from what's being presented on screen, especially when a lot of it um, kind of feels like a reflection of his mindset, which is a little bit uncomfortable to me. Uh, overall, I, I was pretty disappointed by how this movie holds up for me personally. I think the authorial tone on the whole, you know, if you think of an authorial voice that is an overarching unified tone and uh, the way that the characters speak and interact with each other, I think it's a bit confusing with the movie's messaging. I can get into that a little bit later when we explore this a little more. I think on the whole, the performances are pretty 
great. I think this is one of the better later De Niro performances. I think he's quite exceptional, actually. Um, but on the whole, I think this movie is a bit mixed in about every aspect. Okay. All right. Let's kick it over next to Nicole Ackman. Nicole, what are your thoughts on Silver Linings Playbook? So I basically have no history with David O. Russell. This is the only film of his I've ever seen. I tend to avoid the guy. And when I saw this movie years ago, there was nothing about it that made me ever want to see another one of his movies. I remember not liking this whenever I saw it. I have a DVD of this movie that I truly have no idea how I acquired. Um <laughs> Which came in, it came in useful for, you know, watching it again for this podcast, but I now I'm kind of like, I should probably, like, get rid of this, because, you know, I didn't remember liking it whenever I first saw it. I, I remember, I must have seen it probably around, like, 2013 or 2014, and I remember not being thrilled with it, and I watched it again, and in some ways it held up better than I expected, like, I maybe liked it a little bit more than I was remembering, I think mostly just in that I did not remember the performances being as good as they are, and I really do think that they are, across the board, good performances in this movie, even if it's not my favorite Jennifer Lawrence work. But I have some real issues with, like Cody said, I think this is definitely, particularly the way that the movie deals with violence and destructive behavior, feels very uncomfortable knowing what we know about this man who made it. And I also have some real issues with the way that he portrays mental health. I think that it's fairly problematic, if not downright harmful. And I, I will say, though, that the love story worked for me more than I thought it would. And this is actually not a Bradley Cooper performance that I hate. And <laughs> that, from someone else, that might sound like an insult. For me, that's a compliment because I generally don't like Bradley Cooper in movies. Nothing against him personally. This is not like my, my, my Matt Damon shtick, but I'm just not a fan of his. But he's he's better here than I expected. So, again, very mixed on this movie, which I overall just found to be very messy. All right. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Dan Bear, how about you? So I remember really liking this movie in 2012 when it came out. Like, not I didn't love it, but it, like it was in my top 20 for that year, and didn't watch it for a while. But when I did finally rewatch it, 
um, which was not all that long ago, actually. Um, I rewatched it during um, quarantine in 2020 for the first time, I think, since 2012. I had seen, like, bits and pieces of it, but I never, like, watched it in full. And I was kind of shocked by how well it held up, mostly because for the first, like, um, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes, it, it did not hold up at all. I thought it was a mess and chaotic, not in a good way. Um, I thought that the way it between some combination of the writing of Bradley Cooper's character and his performance of it felt, I'll just say, off and that jazzy kind of chemistry that David Russell likes to ferment amongst his casts. Um, it, it wasn't quite clicking for me. It was just, it felt like a lot of people just shouting and speaking over each other all the time. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't working. And then Jennifer Lawrence comes on screen like an atom bomb and all of a sudden, I remembered why I loved this movie. And literally, as soon as she came on screen, everything about the movie sort of clicked into place again. And the dialogue got sharper. And the uh, characters started making a little more sense. And the chemistry between Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper just... I mean, sparkles, combustible. I love that energy. And from there, it just only got better as the movie went along. I still have, <laughs> I have issues with the way that this movie treats mental illness, but I don't think it's quite as bad at it as some of its biggest detractors would say, but I do think that is, its ultimate messaging is very kind of messy on that front, which I, it was probably messy in 2012 too, but I mean, it, credit this movie, I think, in some ways for how openly we talk about mental illness now. I mean, people were not this open about mental illness in 2012 like this was it was shocking to hear people talk in the way that they do in this movie about their issues and since then thank god we've this has been become more of an open conversation that we're having on larger scale so i'll credit to that but i don't know if this is the um best portrayal of that but on the whole yeah good movie great performances so when i saw this back in 2012 this was definitely <laughs> a unique experience for me because I was not a big fan of Bradley Cooper at that point in my life, like as an actor. I mean, I thought that he was perfectly fine in the Hangover movies, but I wasn't really feeling his turn the year before in Limitless. I didn't like him in the A-Team. Uh, and there were other things like, you know before this as well, where he just didn't really leave that much of an impression on me. Not a fan of him in, in Wedding Crashers. See, like, that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> he's not really the focal point of that movie for me. And I guess I just didn't take him seriously as an actor, actor. 
I just saw him as a comedy guy for the most part, or at least a good-looking, funny comedy guy. Very good-looking. So heading into this, I got to admit, I was extremely hesitant at first to warm myself up to Bradley Cooper's performance in this. And it took me a few viewings even. It wasn't even the first viewing. It wasn't until... Honestly, he started getting the award season buzz. And then once he got nominated for Best Actor, that I was like, oh, I got to go back and rewatch this. I got to see what everybody else saw that I didn't really see because I still had that perception of him. Jennifer Lawrence, on the other hand, I agree, comes in like a tornado, a hurricane, whatever you want to call it. Dan said an atom bomb. She just wrecks everything in her path in this movie and leaves nothing in her way. And I... Loved her for that ferocity that she just brought to this. De Niro, as mentioned before, I agree, Cody. Best performance from him in like 10 years, maybe more, 20 years or so at that time. Because really, he was going through that phase. I mean, and he's gone through it again since then, where he was like playing all these comedic roles, like ever since um, Analyze This, Analyze That, Meet the Parents, and it just continued to get worse and worse and worse. To the point that he was really a punching bag and a laughing stock, I feel like, especially for critics. So when he did this, it was like, oh my god, De Niro's reminding everybody that he actually gives a shit again. So that was really amazing to see. And I was just really thrilled to see Jackie Weaver in something after Animal Kingdom, which I absolutely loved her in. So those were my thoughts on the at least the core four performances of this movie. David o. Russell's direction of it. I'm much it's interesting because I'm actually much more of a fan of his writing in this, but not so much for the themes of mental illness, but more so for the dialogue. And it was mentioned before the chemistry between Cooper and Lawrence is pretty good in this. I think a large part of that does have to do with some of the dialogue that is written for them and how well they are able to sell it to each other in their back and forths. But I agree, like this movie treats mental illness like it's the punchline of a joke rather than actually taking it seriously i i think it also really just presents it in a, such a general way for a mass audience leaving out any kind of nuance i mean dan you mentioned before like this was the first time that people had seen characters like talk openly about this sort of stuff i gotta push back on that and disagree I find it hard to believe that Silver Linings Playbook was like the first movie to do something like that. It wasn't the f it may not have been the first, but it was the first time that people were really like talking about how the people were talking about mental illness in a project like this. But the way that like Tiffany and Pat specifically address their problems to one another. Yes, they are like completely 100 percent open about it, but. I don't know. I just never got the sense that this movie ever reconciled with how dangerous Pat's behavior actually was or. Oh, absolutely. No. And it also I, I don't think is willing to necessarily go there. And it's so quick to absolve him of it uh, by the end. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And action. 
Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. I guess we can like kind of start off with this topic of the mental illness as like our first talking point here since we're going back and forth on it already. I mean, Cody, what's your take there? So my my I don't want to say problem, but the thing that kind of bugs me about the way that this depicts in quotes mental illness is that it's very smoothed over and generalized. You know, you have the way that it's kind of depicted in this movie besides Bradley Cooper's more violent outbursts is people kind of just saying what's on their mind, being unafraid to talk. And, you know, people are so yeah. quick to point out, oh, my God, Bradley Cooper, your character. I don't remember the character's names. <laughs> Bradley Cooper's character has no filter. Pat. And neither does Tiffany. And neither does Robert De Niro. And neither does uh, Pat's friend. And neither does brother. And neither does the mom to a degree, but she's probably the most, like, guarded and rational of the bunch. So, and neither does Julia Stiles. So it's really this kind of, like, mishmash but you know what too that's also like kind of lower class philly suburbia as well you know i guess so but it's like there there's no specificity to it yeah a movie that's trying to make a point about people who feel othered in society finding each other because of their nuances and their like quote-unquote crazy behaviors and use the movie's parlance the whole movie is this broad stroke kind of a comedy where the mental illness for the most part is played both funny and as uh, non-specific as possible to the point where the other characters who aren't defined in the movie explicitly as mentally ill, you know, whatever you want to, however, varying degree you want to um, uh, mark that as they're all also <laughs> acting in a way that the movie is defining as again, quote unquote crazy. I totally agree with that. I think like, the lack of any sort of specificity, supposedly, like, particularly because we supposedly see multiple people with different mental illnesses, really drives me kind of insane. And I also think it's one of those movies that also pushes, like, a weird sort of at least implication that, like, love will save you from your mental illness and it will fix it. And I think that's, like, a really weird message. Um, I will. That's not the message that I got from it. (laughs) Yeah, I agree, because I do think that it's more about how these two broken people find each other and then learn to accept each other for their faults, especially because of how open they are about them to each other. Hey, everyone. Sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of our almost two hour long review for Silver Linings Playbook, part of our 2012 retrospective here on the Next Best Picture podcast. In order to get the full length review, you will have to head on over to Next Best Picture's Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get the rest of this review and other exclusive podcast content from us as well. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.
It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.